The Bible reading comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 13 to 25. You'll find it starts at the bottom of page 861 in your pew Bibles. I'll be reading from the NRV. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandments, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. This, St Andrews, is God's word. So I don't normally do this, but this morning we're going to have a look at a debate that's happening over this text. Often over different texts of the Bible, there can be different schools of thought about the different texts, and different scholars can debate them. Now, a rookie mistake for those giving the message is that they often, when a young preacher gets up there, they open a commentary, and then they start to hear this debate about this particular Greek word or that Greek word, and they get wrapped up in them, and then they can speak when they come to church for 45 minutes, answering questions no one's asking or really wants to have asked. It's a bit like a wine connoisseur debating for hours the merits of the different vintages of wine. Some, you know, which is better, which year, and so forth. Some people really get that and appreciate that, but for a lot of people, if they drink wine, they just want a glass of wine at the end of the day, and anything as goes as good. And at St. Andrews, my prayer is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would pour out over His Word. His Word is trustworthy, it can change lives. It needs to be let loose to change lives in a congregation, not have minor points dissected in painstaking ways. But for those interested who, who know the Lord, there are some people who have devoted their whole lives to the, the study of Scripture. And, and they have these amazing in-depth conversations uh, with others about this word. And some of those conversations, these people have you know, spent their whole lifetime studying, are really interesting and at their best, they give deeper insights into God's word that are really enlightening and insightful. 
So God has given us a mind to search into question, to go deeper. So this morning, just to be a little different, we're going to go into one of these deeper conversations. I'm going to turn this church this morning into a lecture theatre. And all of you, just imagine, have just unwittingly signed on to a class in Romans. And as part of your undergraduate degree. And so you, you poor students, I know, with me as your, as your lecturer, but that's how it is this morning. And as poor students, you're going to be looking at a key debate that's been going on in Romans chapter 7 for the last 2,000 years, ever since the early church. And it's still raging today when you read the commentaries. There's large, if you look on YouTube, there's lots of things. And my prayer this morning is that by God's grace, I won't be committing the rookie mistake of answering questions and issues that, that have no relevance, but rather in an accessible way, build up our faith by looking at a question that's divided and perplexed Christians for 2,000 years. And there's a real good point to it, to wrestle on either side. So welcome to class St. Andrews. In this morning's class, which there'll be a 3,000-word assignment due at the end of the month, just kidding, uh, we're going to look at a key question regarding Romans 7. And the question is this, who and or when is the person that when Paul refers to, when he refers to I? Is Paul speaking about his pre-Jesus Christ his pre-conversion, his pre-Damascus road encounter when he was still Saul? Is he talking about his struggles with sin then? Is it referring to the Jewish nation's struggle to obey the law without Christ? Or is it Paul's post-Christ struggle with sin? To simplify it, is he Paul talking about before he encountered Jesus or after? But first, why does it matter? It matters because potentially how much of a struggle do we go through in our battle against sin after we have come to Christ? Can we as Christians still be slaves to sin? Could Paul at times be one? How much of a struggle do we go through as Christians? If it's a picture of Paul's struggle after he encountered Christ, it's a picture of Paul at times being defeated by sin, being enslaved by sin, even though he's saved, he has met Christ, he's an apostle. He says at times he struggles by sin so much that he's enslaved by it. If it's a picture of his pre-Christ struggle, the other side of the argument, it's a picture of his and perhaps the Jewish nation's attempt to follow the law and their failure to do so, showing their need for Christ. So in this morning, I'm going to show you three reasons on either side of the argument. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right. All right. And you get to decide what it is. I'll give you my viewpoint as well. But first, let's hear the struggle again. And as I read it, Think about what part of Paul's journey is he referring to before he became a believer or after. It's, it's, this is quite strong stuff. All right, but how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. So sin, which, what, 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 so sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. 
But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I never to do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm still a slave to sin. All right, so here you go. Have you already got a chance to think on it? Which is it? So three reasons here, three reasons Paul is referring that passage to his pre-Christ life, before he became a Christian. The trouble is, and that's the first one, the trouble is with I am all too human, a slave to sin. In Christ, we are filled with the Spirit. We aren't slaves to sin anymore. We're free. Are you a slave to sin anymore this morning? No, you aren't. Not if you're saved. You're free. Only people who have, who have not encountered Christ are still slaves. Romans 8 says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the parison that leads to death. It's pretty clear that this then must refer to Paul before he encountered Christ. And at number two, verses 15 to 20 shows what seems to be an unsuccessful fight against sin. Have a read. And I know nothing good lives in me that is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin that lives within me that does it. But in Christ, we are victorious. Yes, yes, we may struggle, but here it's not just struggle, it's, de it's defeat. But we aren't defeated. Certainly Paul isn't defeated. He's an apostle. He wouldn't regularly be defeated by sin as an apostle, would he? And then the third reason is this. Paul mentions many times his human nature, verse 14, verse 18, verse 25. This is a strong hint that he's talking about his pre-Christ sinful nature. And I know nothing good lives in me, that is my sinful nature. There he is, giving it away. That is his pre-Christ Holy Spirit, before he had the Holy Spirit, can't do anything good. But after he encounters Christ, he walks in victory. This failure uh, that he had to follow Christ or obey God was also actually the Jewish nation's failure. They tried to follow the law, but without the Messiah, without the Holy Spirit being in their lives, they failed. So there you have it. Three reasons this text refers to his pre-Christ nature and how he encountered Christ. Uh, before he encountered Christ, he was a slave to sin, unable to be set free, living in defeat. But then he encountered Jesus Christ, was filled with the Spirit, and was set free. And his failures, so the argument goes, before he encountered Christ, was also the very same failures of the Jewish nation. They tried to follow the law, but couldn't because they did not have the laws written in their heart. And now that's one side of the argument. You heard it? You got it? All right, now we're going to hear the other side. All right, three reasons why it refers to Paul's post-Christ struggle. Uh, Paul says myself. He doesn't say the Jewish nation. He talks about himself. And there are three tenses. There's past tense. There is 
Present tense. And what's the third one? Are you with me? Some of my one or two snoozing in the pews there. I'm um, probably making the rookie mistake potentially with them. They're telling them things that are not interested in them. The, the past, present, and future. And what is the tense he uses here? It is present. He's talking about his life right now. Not, it's, it's, it's absolutely it. If it was past, he would have used his past. But he's using current tense. This is the struggle he was having even as he was writing this letter. All right? It's a current struggle, not his past struggle. Two, Paul talks about himself delighting in God's word. No non-believer delights in God's word. Here's what he says. I love God's law with all of my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war in my mind. Now think about your life before you encountered Jesus Christ. Did you delight in God's word? Imagine you're going, you've been invited to go out on the town, have a great party, meet up, hook up with people or whatever the, the non-Christian life. And then you say, oh, bros, I can't. I'm going to spend my entire evening delighting in God's word. Now I can tell you what my mates would have said when I was in the army. They would have rung up and said, with a few swear words, what are you doing? You've gone religious. Are you crazy? And he said, no, no, I'm not religious. I just randomly delight in God's word. That just doesn't make sense. Delight, I, to me, before I came to Christ, the Bible was the most boringest, dullest book. Sermons were the most deadliest things ever. Having to sit here and listen to this would be just like asleep. But when I'd given my life to Christ, there was a hunger for God's word. And so there's a reason there that then that is the key, that non-Christians cannot delight in the word. But there's a war still going on in his mind. All right? And then the third reason is this. And Paul talking about his post-Christ struggle with sin is that Paul did not have the struggle with sin before Christ. So Paul's bearing his soul here. Oh, I'm at war. Now, what was Paul like before he came to Christ? Well, I'll read you a couple of passages. You know what this is, Galatians 1. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. No struggle there. And also, this is a big one, Philippians 3. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. There ain't no struggle there. But Paul, before he encountered Jesus Christ, thought he was awesome. After he encountered Jesus Christ, he thought, I'm the worst sinner on the planet, right? The scales had fallen off. Well, before I encountered Jesus Christ, I'm a good person. I don't need God. Do you guys remember that vibe, right? Yeah, good people go to heaven. If there's a heaven, well, I'm good. I'm, I make the grade better than the, than the rat bags out there and a lot of religious hypocrites. Yeah. That was, that was the same as what Paul was saying, right? He was awesome. But after he came to Christ, when his soul was bared, then the struggle came. So there you go. Three reasons for and three reasons against. I want the 3,000-word assignment by the end of the month. So, um, and then we'll send the best winning assignment to the rest of the world, uh, world, the churches in the world, to settle the debate once and for all. So let me just say, there's a strength of two strengths. One strength of the post-salvation struggle. And both these are true, regardless of which side, is that we are free from permanent captivity, but not warfare, and sadly some defeats, which even apostles can have. That is true. Look at the church for the last 2,000 years. Has the church been that awesome? I don't think so. Am I that awesome after I've come to Jesus Christ? No. Talk to my wife. She'll confirm that for you. 
right? We, 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 churches are a struggle. Our lives are a struggle with sin. It's, it's warfare. And the strength of the pre-Christ struggle that it shows that the struggle for any person who tries to be good without Christ is doomed to failure. Because it's fought without the power of God. Deliverance comes from Christ. That argument is true. I stand by that as well. So Douglas Moo, perhaps one of the best Roman scholars, argues that it's Paul's pre-Christ struggle, but he also argues that it's actually the Jewish nation's struggle. They tried so hard to delight in the Bible and God's law, but they could not because they did not have the Messiah. That is true as well. Whatever side you side on this, but, so whatever path you choose, I would argue all those strengths are true. Christians continue to struggle with sin after salvation. It's true the law can't save us. We need Christ. And it's true that the Jewish nation struggled with all of the efforts to delight in God's law failed and showed their desperate need of a saviour. Now, all things are true. What's my view? I think Paul's ongoing struggle with sin after conversion. That's where I stand. This is Paul's struggle. When he was writing that letter, he was like the psalmist. You see those psalmists with the highs and the lows? He was bearing his heart and saying, you know what? Even after you've given your life to Christ, we are still struggling with sin and life can be difficult. I tell you, when the first time I read that, I thought, oh my goodness, this guy knows me. Because I'd become a Christian and I read it and I thought, this is exactly it. After I thought I'd give my life to Christ, I thought, I'm going to do all this good stuff and awesome. And then suddenly, within, a, within the first day, I was foot tripped up, swearing at someone, lied about to my teacher and did a whole bunch of other stuff. I thought, this is just not working, this Christian gig. Where is the Holy Spirit? I thought I was changed and transformed and came home feeling utterly defeated. And then I read that Romans and I go, I am that man. <laughs> and I thought, well, thank goodness Paul is just as bad as I am. It made me feel a little better about it, actually. And so, you know, it gives me hope in my ongoing struggle. If you're visiting this morning, my lovely wife, Catherine, has got terminal diagnosis and uh, she's, you know, on, on borrowed time, barring a healing. And I have to say that even this morning, I struggle with bitterness, in the week three, four in the morning, with bitterness, resentment, self-pity, and at times despair. This is not a past struggle that Jesus has fixed. This is my struggle this morning, St. Andrews, and I have to get up and stand in front of you and proclaim the gospel. I don't want to always do that, but it is actually my current struggle. But do you know what? As I read Paul and his struggle, I realize, thanks be to Jesus Christ. Who can save us? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, we do thank you. I pray that this morning is a chance for this congregation to have entered into a lecture for 15 minutes or so and to look at the relevance of looking at what this is and then my view that this is Paul's post-Christ struggle with sin. And Lord, that means that for every person here as they walk out the door after the sermon, there will be difficulties. There will be sin and temptation. And like Paul, there is defeats that are come our way. But Lord, we thank you. Who can save us from this life dominated by sin and death? Thanks be, it is Jesus Christ. And Lord, we look forward to a victories as well. More of you in our life, more fruits of repentance. And we look forward to the day when we will be perfectly sinless, fully restored and redeemed and glorified and in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.